CCR number 96 for January 27, 2010. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by the Panthers Outlaw Forum, the place for uncensored, no-holds-barred Carolina Panthers discussion. If you're ready for an honest discussion of your Carolina Panthers, visit the Panthers Outlaw Forum at sillyangel.proboards.com. I'm ready to go, baby. D'Angelo Williams, left side crowded, goes up the middle, 50-yard line, he's in the clear, this has got potential, 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Still on a mission, though, still on a mission. We're going to find out how far we can push ourselves. Jake DeLong going Steve Smith, left side, caught for a touchdown! Keep the dream alive, baby! Welcome to the show dedicated to covering the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, Nick Yeoman is back to provide the fans' perspective. Legendary Carolina Panther Mike Minter joins us for the Minterview, and we'll be speaking to Panthers middle linebacker John Beeson. I think I let my emotions get the best of me. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. The Carolina Panthers have hired a new coach. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Now, that new coach isn't in Charlotte to replace John Fox, but instead he's there to take the place of recently retired wide receivers coach Richard Williamson. His name is Tyke Tolbert. Most recently, he held the same position with the Buffalo Bills. He's also worked with the Arizona Cardinals, where he coached their receivers back in 2003. Also this week, one of the Panthers players got some good news. Ryan Khalil was added to the NFC Pro Bowl roster since Jonathan Goodwin of the Saints can't show up. His team is in the Super Bowl a week later. This will be the first Pro Bowl for Khalil, who will join teammates D'Angelo Williams and Julius Peppers in Miami for the All-Star event that's coming up this Sunday. Now, all three players were big contributors for the team this season. In our previous show, the question of the week was... Who should be the Panthers' 2009 MVP? Well, let's hear what you had to say. Hello. 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 Who's that? What's that? It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. Hey, John. Cheeky. GK from Sports on again. Answer your MVP question. I'd go with co-MVP this year, and I would say Stuart and Williams. Those guys always team up, and they never, never let the team down or the fans down. Keep up the great show, John. Maybe we stumped you this week. Maybe it was a crappy question. But this did receive some interesting results on the Panthers Outlaw Forum. The conversation there turned to Jake's broken finger. So, whoever broke it became the team's MVP. Yes, it's a little cruel, but we fans tend to get that way sometimes. We may have a better question for you this time around. Are you ready? Here goes. The question of the week is, what position is the team's biggest area of need for this offseason? Tell us where you think the Panthers should upgrade over the next few months. Call us on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673 and give us your opinion. That's what we're here for. Again, what position is the team's biggest area of need for this offseason. Where should we make an upgrade? We'll take your calls on this question through Monday, February 1st. Call us on the CCR hotline at 
9673. It's time once again for the Panther Preview. Joining us, as always, it is Nick Yeoman. Yeoman. John, what's going on? It's good to be back with you, buddy. Hey, man, just, um, you know, trying to kill time until, um, I don't know what, spring, maybe, when they have a mini camp. Yeah, we got a lot of time to wait, and, and you know, it, it looks like a lot of the Panthers players are trying to keep themselves busy as well. Of course, Ryan Khalil now going to the Pro Bowl, and D'Angelo Williams making pants on the ground videos. I just love it. Didn't you love that video? I thought that was great. It has been stuck in my head. I'm not joking for like the last couple of days, his version. I know the old guy on American Idol, his was funny, but uh, D'Angelo Williams' version. He's even got Ryan Robinson back there on the drums. Absolutely hysterical, and I've had it stuck in my head the last couple of days. Well, yeah, and he's going to be in Miami for the Pro Bowl. You mentioned Ryan Khalil, thanks to the Saints making the the Super Bowl. And since they've gone this far, well, that opens up a spot. And Ryan Khalil in his third NFL season. I'm not sure if this is official or not. I guess it is. He should get his bonus, right? I mean, but uh, finally going to be in the uh, in the big game. I'm, I'm glad to see another Panther there. I'm not sure how that works with, I mean, obviously there's been guys left and right being added to the rosters and dropped from the rosters, so I don't know if you're going to have a little asterisk there next to the 2009 season. You know, we had 20 extra pro bowlers, but hey, if it, uh, if it earns Ryan Khalil a little extra money, I'm sure he's uh, I'm sure he's happy to take that. And then what to make of this? I mean, we we have a guy that's been with the team since even literally before day one. I mean, months and months before they played a game, he retires. So that opens up a spot uh, at, at the wide receiver coaching position. Now we bring in a guy named Tyke. Tyke? What, yeah, yeah, Tyke Tolbert. I mean, a guy, he comes from Buffalo. He spent six years there with three different head coaches. So you got to think that uh, that he's used to, you know, adjusting to different coaching staff. And obviously this is a unique situation with the whole, you know, one-year deal for Fox and his staff. So, uh, it's a great opportunity, though. I'm, I'm sure he's going to relish being able to work with a veteran guy like Moussin Muhammad, uh, a pure star, future Hall of Famer, and Steve Smith, and and maybe just maybe he can give that extra little something that Dwayne Jarrett needs. And this is obviously a position the Panthers are going to look to address in the off season. So hopefully, old Tyke Tolbert is uh, is going to get a chance to succeed in Carolina. The two good things about him: one, Terrell Owens didn't complain, so that's good. Maybe he can handle Steve Smith. Too, the players claim he's like uh, just this awesome dude, you know, like he's texting me and we're talking about personal things, so maybe that's a good sign. And speaking of assistant coaches, we lost another uh, a little over a week ago. Danny Crossman was booted out the door. Well, now he's found himself a job. Yeah, with one of the top franchises in the league, John. <laughs> yeah, with the Lions of all places. Come on. Yeah, I- yeah, he's, he's going to be with the Lions next year, and I guess he's down there, uh, I think, with the Senior Bowl, working out guys. So, uh, you know, good to see Danny Crossman land on his feet. But, boy, when you get fired as a special teams coach, I guess there's only one thing you can do. It's either back to the college ranks or maybe somewhere like Detroit. So I wish him the best of luck, but, boy, I, let's be honest, I don't think anyone's looking to grab a Detroit Lions coaching position anywhere. Well, he's. I guess he's probably glad to have the paycheck. So, you know, in a tough economy, I guess you go work wherever you can. But speaking of uh, special teams guys, one position that for some reason always seems to come up, I know you hear talk about cornerbacks and safeties doing this a lot and playing special teams, but linebackers are in a lot of ways kind of the bread and butter 
special teamers. You hear about it a lot, and uh, well, that's what we're going to do this week is talk linebackers. We'll start on the outside. The two starters, Thomas Davis, who, oh, by the way, missed nine games this season and was on his way to a Pro Bowl and maybe even all Pro Honors. Then you got Niall Diggs, who also missed a couple of games. What's your take on these two guys on the outside for the Panthers? Well, I don't think it's as solid as, as, as I know that you think and that I think a lot of Panthers fans think. This Thomas Davis thing, it's, it's, I'm a little concerned because, yeah, he was off to a Pro Bowl start, and as you mentioned, maybe even an all-pro start. I mean, 61 tackles through eight games. He had like a sack and a half, a pair of interceptions. I mean, he was playing great. The thing that concerned me there was it was a contract year, and so many times you've seen guys play big in contract years and, uh, and really step up their game, and then once they get that big payday, well, then maybe it's back to, you know, mediocre football like Sean Alexander. I certainly hope not, and, and I hope that Thomas Davis, maybe maybe something just clicked at the beginning of this season and then he figured it out and he was ready to play at a high level. But it just always, you know, maybe it's just me being cynical, but that's that's what I'm supposed to do as a fan. But it just makes you think. It makes you wonder during a contract year playing big and what kind of uh, where the true motivation is. And then you've got Mal Diggs, who is a guy, he's limited in what he can do out there. He's not quick like Thomas Davis. He doesn't come up with those timely interceptions, the big plays like John Beeson does. But he's been a consistent player for the Panthers. And if younger guys like Landon Johnson, who's, who's been a bust so far in Charlotte, and guys like Dan Cotter aren't ready to step up, uh, then Niles' spot may be safe. What I love about Niles Biggs is that he's a team player. I mean, I have a feeling his head was probably on the chopping block with guys like Peppers and Thomas Davis needing long-term deals. And to avoid becoming a capped casualty, Biggs took a, a pretty major pay cut earlier this year and, and four years added to his contract. He was going to make $2 million. Now he's going to make $855,000. So as a 31-year-old, you got to look about, you got to think about making your money now, but I think he's a team guy and he wants to be with this team. And, and at the end of the day, you got to be happy with having those guys on your team. Well, you mentioned Thomas Davis, and I mean, it was a contract year, but what really struck me was how well, how he was going to fit into this defense, what really is, this is kind of Tony Dungy's defense. It's that cover to Dungy slash Meeks defense, and it, it seemed to me now with, with Thomas Davis, he'd made the switch from safety coming into the NFL, trying to adjust to the, to the linebacker spot, and now he suddenly inherits the linebacker position that had been manned by Derek Brooks for so long in Tampa Bay, so I'm wondering, maybe some of it was a contract year. Maybe some of it was because he was in the spot that is, that's kind of the cleanup guy. I mean, he is all over the field, which is what Derek Brooks was doing. So I'm wondering how much that influenced his numbers and how well he played over what he was doing maybe to earn the next big payday. Exactly, exactly. And that's, and that's truly, that, as a Panthers fan, that's what I hope. I hope that it wasn't just a contract situation. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, the guy, the guy's had to adjust his entire time in the league, whether it be a new defense, whether it be switching from the safety spot. So, yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point that maybe it's just taking some time. Maybe he's just had to keep he's had to keep adjusting, you know, season in, season out, and he finally, finally found something that works for him. And obviously you got to hope that he bounces back from the injury. And then we've got the backups. You've already mentioned Landon Johnson. Probably, I guess, career, <laughs> maybe a career backup guy, maybe a career special teamer, I'm not sure the guy that I'm highest on, and when he did get in there, and he played in seven games this year, uh, James Anderson actually was around the ball an awful, awful lot. We saw 
you know, them actually because Landon Johnson was hurt late in the year, they brought in Jordan Sin. They wound up with Quentin Culberson, two guys that if they're going to stick, they're going to stick on special teams also. So if I'm high on one backup on the outside or at outside linebacker, it's James Anderson. I'm, I'm liking this kid. Oh, I am too, and, he, and he's a guy who's been with the Panthers for a few years now, and, and you're right. I mean, he was kind of, you know, forced into the lineup with late season injuries, and boy, he played well. I mean, you can't take that away from him. He really played well being thrown in a tough situation. He, he provides some nice depth, and, and you know, it's going to be interesting. In the next couple years, Diggs is going to be around with the contract extension and the pay cut, but it's going to be interesting to see who starts at that outside spot, because I think it certainly could be James Anderson's spot because of how much he's improved and, and how strong he played down the stretch. So it may be something as interesting it, when training camp comes up. That may be a spot. That may be a competition uh, that's up in the air. But, yeah, I love what James Anderson's brought to this team. He's a guy that I think a lot of people kind of have forgotten about in the last couple of years. But slowly but surely, he's improved year in, year out. And, you know, gosh darn it, when he gets out there and, and shows you what he has, it's been pretty impressive. Well, you want to hang out and talk a little uh, middle linebacker and then debate, like, best middle linebacker in the league? Oh, we have to. We absolutely have to. I'd love to, John. All right. Don't forget, by the way, before we do go to break, if you haven't already subscribed to the newsletter, all you got to do is go to catcraveradio.com. Go up to the top of the page. You'll see the newsletter link up there. Click there. There's a like a three-entry form. If you will click there, get yourself subscribed. We'll send you one out every week, keep you updated on what's going on with the show, uh, with the blog, kind of all over the place, and there are some announcements to be made. And the question of the week, next week we're going to try a different question, all right? Here it is. Biggest area of need this offseason. Which position do we need to upgrade the most? That's your question. Give us a call at 206-350-9673. 206-350-9673. Coming up, we got Mike Minner in the Minner View. Of course, we got our conversation with John Beeson, and in just a bit... Nick and I will come back to take a look at what else? Middle linebacker. What's on your mind? Email us at catcraveradio at gmail.com. Again, that's catcraveradio at gmail.com. CCR continues in a moment. The Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no offseason. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. Our goal was to provide uncompromising analysis, top-notch talent, and unparalleled journalism. So we fell a little short. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. And welcome back to the Panther Preview. Still with us, it's Yeoman. Yeoman, we promised middle linebacker. And who else to talk about but John Beeson. I mean, he's the middle linebacker, right? Yeah, oh, I love John Beeson. Absolutely love the guy, a pure leader. And when it comes to production, is there really anyone that's been more efficient at what position they play than John Beeson on this team? I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure as to why he's not going to the Pro Bowl. But John himself, who needs, who's not going to the Pro Bowl, he even said it himself. You know, who needs the Pro Bowl when your true focus is winning a championship? And and that's exactly what you want in your quarterback of the defense. He's easily been the most proficient linebacker in Panthers history and is well on his way 
being perhaps the best linebacker in Panthers history. And I know I say it a lot because, as we all know, Sam Mills is thought to be as many by the greatest Panther of all time, but Beeson is well on his way. I mean, he is, all he's done is make big tackles. You know, he's got the top three seasons, in his only three seasons of the tackles in the league, 488 all-time, it puts him fourth on the record books for the Panthers. Holy, and he's going to be in second behind Mike Minner before you know it next year in three and a half seasons. He's simply incredible. He's a leader, and boy, there's not much more you can say about him. He's just a fantastic linebacker. Well, whichever position you take on this, I can, if I have to, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll ask you, best middle linebacker in the NFL or no? Well, I don't think so. He's a great player, but i got to give it to Patrick Willis. I know he plays in a 3-4 system, which is a little different, but I also think it's harder to make tackles in a 3-4 defense. And his numbers, Patrick Willis' numbers, have been fantastic in his three years. Uh, the thing is, though, you can throw a blanket over top of him, John. I mean, if, if I say, all right, you either get Patrick Willis or John Beeson, I don't think you're going to be upset if you have to pick second or you get whoever's left. I mean, they're both fantastic linebackers. I would probably give the nod to Patrick Willis, but trust me, John Beeson is right there in second, and it's a close second. Okay, maybe I can't play devil's advocate. Maybe I can, but I don't know. I, I, I do have to lean Beeson's way. I, I, if there's one thing that separates him from Willis. I mean, you don't hear Willis's name mentioned a whole lot as a leader, and I, I, I kind of think of I think of Beeson as one of those like two or three leaders on this team I mean like bar none I can't think of anybody besides maybe I mean Jake's name comes up a lot that is when he's on the field and then you've got Beeson I mean who else I think his production matches any linebacker in the league I don't know maybe maybe this is up for debate and uh I don't know I I lean Beeson's way maybe I'm being a homer I could be but uh Tell me, I'm being a, am I being a homer or am I not? No, I, I really, well, yeah, you are. I mean, come on, John. <laughs> We're Panthers guys. we got to do that. But I, I, don't think he, I don't think anyone could be a homer by saying John Beeson is the best middle linebacker in the game. I mean, you said it, the production, the numbers, they speak for themselves. I mean, 160 tackles as a rookie, 159 after that, and then 169, a franchise record last year. I mean, they speak for themselves. And as you said, I mean, the stuff that he does, you know, maybe not off the field, but I mean, in the in the locker room, in the huddle, the leadership that he shows—it's it's tremendous. There's no doubt about it. He should be going to the Pro Bowl. You know, I'm gonna I'm still on this soapbox. I'm not gonna get off of it. I'm sorry, Jonathan Vilma, you're only going because you played for the New Orleans Saints. But uh, John Beeson, no doubt about it. I don't think you're a homer one bit for saying he's the best middle linebacker in the league. And like I said, if he is second, it's certainly a close second to Patrick Willis because those two guys, absolute studs. Well, if you win 10 games or more in this league, your team's going to send, you know, four or five players minimum to the Pro Bowl in almost every season. So this this will happen for the team, I think, next year, and then we'll see Beeson's name back in the Pro Bowl where it belongs. But if we're looking at the backup, they only list one backup. You can check the team's website. When you see their depth chart, there's only one dude listed behind John Beeson, and he's somebody that I've been interested in seeing on the field. Then he got on the field this season some and had to play outside and kind of disappointed me a little bit, and that's Dan Connor from linebacker U at, at uh, Penn State. But, I mean, your take on this kid, I mean, I know he's young, he's 24 and only in his second season, but I don't know, he, he kind of let me down a little bit. Maybe it's because he was playing out of his natural position. What do you think? No, I, I think you, you hit on it right there. I mean, the fact that what we saw of Dan Connor was at the outside position, what he's not designed for. I mean, he's not the most athletic guy. He's one of those guys... Right in the middle, he's just going to chew up space 
and just tackle anything that comes in between the hashes. I mean, he's just that type of player. We saw it at Penn State when he was there. And I think, yeah, the product of the disappointment is because of the fact that he's out of position. But, you know, you mentioned he's only in his second year. It's way too early. I mean, we'll see. Maybe from year two to year three, if he sees the field more, maybe we'll see something more from him. But I just think it's way too early to label this guy as a bust or as a disappointment yet. But it'll be interesting. I don't. I never want to see him in there replacing John Beeson because of an injury, but also with that interesting dynamic at the other outside linebacker position, there's a, there's a spot there. If he can adjust and if he can make that transition and can play to the outside, uh, then that's probably the best opportunity that we're going to see to get him on the field because we don't want to see 52 on the bench anytime soon. Well, I guess I've become a little bit too much of a stat geek. I like numbers a lot, and John Fox, I know, and he's almost definitely not listening but if he was I'm sure he would correct me and say you know the stats are for losers but we can talk about the tackle numbers or forced fumbles and all that stuff I mean those are numbers but something that it just keeps standing out to me and that is if you look back at what the front office has done with this this roster they've just gotten younger and younger year after year and Diggs is the oldest guy out of the bunch at 32 still capable of playing at least another year or two and then if Anderson does have to step in, he's 27, the entire group, you're talking nine linebackers, you come out at about 27 years old and roughly four and a quarter years average of experience in the NFL. So it's still a pretty young group. Yeah, it is. And you know what? It's funny. I mean, we always kind of give John Fox a hard time for being you know, too loyal or sticking with some guys for too long. And, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there are situations where he has. But, yeah, I mean, the three units that we've talked about so far, the secondary offensive line and, and now this linebacker group, they are. They're fairly young. They've, they've you know, built through the draft. They've got picked up a few guys in free agency. And, and it is. It's a, it's a unit that you hope is only going to get better. You've got a guy in John Beeson that, boy, if, if he keeps up the numbers that he does, barring injury, this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about it. I know he's I know he's only in that third year, and, and to bring up the, the Hall of Fame word is, is is pretty, you know, maybe a little early, but you've got a great player in him. You've got a guy like Thomas Davis that you hope can bounce back from injury, and boy, if you can find that uh, that other solid spot at the outside uh, position, the other outside linebacker spot opposite of Thomas Davis, you've got a solid young unit that could be good for another five or six years. Let's get to the grades, and... Do you want me to go first, or would you want to go first? I mean, how do we uh, avoid you, this You cheating? go ahead and go first this time, John. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll start it outside. I'll grade the outside linebackers. Here's here's the way I looked at it. I, I like Thomas Davis. It sounded earlier like maybe I like Thomas Davis a little more than you do. Love the kid and, and think that he's got – I mean, the sky is the limit for him, honestly. So I would have graded him high because of digs. And, and, I mean, he came out with 39 tackles all season. He did miss two games, though, and his age, that kind of brings the score down on my outside linebacker grade. i got to go roughly a 91, and that may even be a little high, but I'm going 91 on outside linebackers. Yeah, 90, 91's a little high for me. I have him at an 86. I, there's just a couple too many question marks for me with Thomas Davis. I mean, we talked about it. The injury he's got to bounce back from. He's adjusted to that system, which he's done a pretty good job. Ron Meeks is 
uh, Tampa 2 system. And then, of course, you know, that cynicalism that I have of, of you know, whether his big play last year, the first eight games, was simply because of a contract year. And then that other outside spot. I mean, we talked about it. Now Biggs isn't going to bring you anything special. Landon Johnson has, for the most part, been a bust. And, and, you know, James Anderson, he's getting there. It looks like he's got a shot, you know, in the next couple of years. But there's still that big question mark. And I think that really hurts this outside linebacker unit. So I would give the uh, unit as a total an 86. All right. And then going to middle linebacker, I've got to give a really good grade here. And we, we kind of cheated off each other a little bit before we started this. But. I'm going 95 at middle linebacker. It's only one spot on the field, I know, because we're playing a 4-3. But I also like, if he ever got on the field, I think Dan Connor could produce in the middle. So I like John Beeson enough to think that he ought to be a perennial all-pro and Pro Bowl guy. And I think that maybe Connor is a, is a serviceable backup. So I went right in the mid-90s. Yeah, I have right there as well a 95, and, and I kind of just threw out Dan Conner because we haven't seen enough of him, and we haven't seen really any of him at the middle linebacker spot. So, yeah, the middle linebacker, it's a one position uh, that you're grading here. So, really, I'm grading one guy, and that's John Beeson, and i got to give him a 95. He is the quarterback of the defense. He has all the intangibles. He has just racked up some incredible uh, statistics in his three years as a Panther, and I think he certainly deserves a 95. And, and boy, a 95 may even be low with what this guy could be in the next couple of years. I mean, a 95 is a pretty high number, but John Beeson, boy, he's only going to get better, and he's a guy that Panthers fans I know absolutely love. Well, so I grade out the linebackers at a 93, and you come out at a 90.5. So um sounds like I'm kind of – what are you, the Simon Cowell of, of, uh, of the show? Hey, you know what? If, if, if you're ever just content, if you're ever happy with the unit, then that's where uh, complacency slips in. So you, you gotta, you know, you gotta challenge them. And you know, I know all these guys listen to the show, so they, they they need that challenge. So yeah, I got them a little bit low, uh, but like I said, this is a solid unit. They're only going to get better. I mean, come on, uh, right there in the low 90s as an average grade, not too bad. Sounds like you fell right out of Friday Night Lights. You know, okay, gentlemen, let's be perfect. You know. Hey. To be. You absolutely have to be because, I mean, look, you know, the team went 12 and 4 last year and, and you had 20 of 22 starters back, and, and look what happened. You go 8 and 8. So uh, just because you've got those names on the field, you still got to go out there and get it done. So uh, it's a good unit, though, and, and really the three units we've talked about so far, solid for the Panthers, and it looks like the future's bright. Well, it's kind of a sad week because there are no games. There's only a Pro Bowl to be talked about. And, you know, we, we've already talked about how upset we are about John Beeson. So that means no boomer bust and no pick em. So all I can do is say, do you want to come back next week and talk uh, quarterbacks? Hey, I would love to. And, and let it be known, though, I did go 2-0 and on those uh, NFC and AFC championship picks. Yes, you did. You, you you picked it up. You had a very good week. but um... Yeah, Lord knows I needed it, John. <laughs> All right, so we'll see you back next week for some quarterback talk. Hey, sounds great, man. Have a great week. All right, and we'll, uh, of course, remind you once again, don't forget the question of the week, biggest area of need this off season. Give us a call at 206-350-9673 and leave us a message on where you think we need the biggest upgrade. Again, 206-350-9673. It's Minner at the 30. He's to the 20. Cuts outside at the 15. Minner to the 10. Minner to the 5. Touchdown! It's time now for the Minterview. Here comes the, ready and now. Here comes the voice from the sound. Here comes the... 
We are joined now by legendary Carolina Panther, Mike Mentor. Mike, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back, John. Uh, you know, appreciate you having me again. And as always, we appreciate you being on with us too. And you know, early in the in the year, actually just before the season started, you put your finger on it. You said this was an eight and eight team, and you know we discussed a lot of, you know, what we saw with the team and how they were playing in the preseason. But if we got real specific about certain players, how they performed when it was time to get out on the field, if you look back at it now, is there a player that you felt like? Let's just say somebody that pleasantly surprised you, maybe even played beyond your expectations. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I guess uh, when when you really look at it, I, I I really was pleasantly surprised by Matt Moore and um, how he came in and, and um, took over the last five games um, of the season and how well he played. I, I didn't I didn't know um, that. He had the ability to to do the things that he did um, in those games, and so I was I was pleasantly uh, surprised um, by him, you know, stepping up and, and um, really playing some good football, um, you know, for us, um, you know, down the stretch, and, and really a big reason, you know, why we finished the, finished up the season the way we did. So um, if it was one guy that I was going to look at, and I would say. You know, going into the season, I would have never picked uh, Matt Moore to um, be able to do the things that he did, um, which is which is a great thing. And um, and so you know, you know, all hats off to Matt Moore and how he did, and he deserves another shot to come in here and start um, for us next year. And if we look at the flip side of that, unfortunately, there's always the flip side. Would there be a player that you felt like maybe underperformed this season? Unfortunately, it's not in the same position, <laughs> uh, you know, at the quarterback position. I, I was uh, definitely not expecting Jake to have the year that he had, especially coming off uh, the, the poor playoff game um, against Arizona the year before. And knowing Jake, you know, Jake is a guy that uh, once he, you know, go through a rough patch, he going to come through and he going to fight and he going to make plays to – get to where he needs to get to so I, I guess if you if you look at you know how Jake played the whole year um, I was surprised how fast um, it went downhill um, you know and and so you know that was that was something that I, I didn't see coming I don't think anybody saw it coming um, you know a lot of people you know claimed that they saw it coming but um, you know I, I don't think you you see that much of a dramatic drop so fast um, and be able to call call that and say, yeah, that, that was going to happen at the beginning of the year. So I think Jake um, played definitely was something that was, uh, that was unexpected and uh, definitely wasn't good enough. Well, any time that you finish a season, there are always going to be candidates, likely multiple candidates if you're going to talk about a team MVP. Any team MVP situation, I mean, it, it you can hand that out based on, and we don't always have to look at numbers, but sometimes there's stuff that, there are things that happen behind the scenes that no one will ever know about and how a player can, in, you know, influence the team. But who would be your choice for team MVP for 09? You know what, my, my choice would be the offensive line and the offensive line coach um, because we lost, you know, two, three starters on their offensive line 
and we actually got better um, and when we put ourselves in. And we going into the season, that was the biggest um, question mark on the Panthers football team was the lack of depth at the offensive line position because we lost so many of our backups to um, other teams to go start. And so that was, that was the um, question mark coming in. Could we, you know, have a guy step in and, and help if somebody went down? And actually, um, like I said, I think we started to play better football and more, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a difference when you know you have to concentrate than when you go in there thinking that you're good enough and you already, you know, know what's going on. And, and I think the offensive line proved um, and the coach proved that, um, you know what, it's not always about names. It's about guys that come in and want to get it done. And, and so that whole offensive line and the offensive line coach, I mean, these guys right here, I feel like, you know, really is the MVP because it really opened up our running game. It's, I mean, you cannot have, you know, two guys that go, you know, over 1,300 yards and 1,100, whatever it was. Um, you can't have two running backs do that and, and not have a great offensive line play and, and have so many injuries and still, you know, produce. You lose your best offensive line. You, you lose your, your best um, young offensive lineman. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we train, change the guys around and we still running for, um, you know, 2,000 yards um, backs. And that, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. Coach Mags did get a lot of, of production out of the guys he, he brought in, especially the young backups. But there are things we know we've we've got to do. You you always have changes to make every off season. That's just the nature of the business. And even going back a few months, I think you'd mentioned getting more speed in uh, to the team, guys at receiver that can that can stretch the field a little bit. If there are upgrades to be made on the roster, how aggressive do you think that Marty Herney and John Fox will be this off season? Well, you know the great thing is no salary cap, so we can be as aggressive as we want to be. Okay, so that's the great thing about it. Um, as you come up, if these guys don't extend, um, you know, and, and come to an agreement on this offseason, um, there's no salary cap. So so now you can go get guys as long as you have the cash to pay these guys, right? So I think we can be real aggressive at, at, at trying to make that happen. But the other flip corner of that is that it's probably not a lot of free agents that's going to be out of there. So, so what, what's going to have to happen is that you're going to have to draft real well. You got to draft some guys that um, that comes in with no fear, fear, fear. You know, fast speed. We need that game changer type guy um, at the receiver spot to help Steve Smith out um, because it, it takes. It, it, everybody was focused on Steve Smith, but if you had you know two two other guys that was out there running, you know, as fast as Steve can run, then that takes the focus off of them. And, and I think, um, you know, you're starting to see the trend of what that looks like. Um, you're starting to see um, the trend of, you know, what type of receivers is that. You know, Jackson, that's in, in, in Philly. You know, a, a slim guy that can run and, and flat out make plays. He can make plays in a, in a um, special teams game. He can, he can make plays on the offensive side of the ball. You can do different things with him. you got to get a guy that can do multiple things, I believe, um, that I would be going out there if I was the Carolina Panthers. Um, I do know that we love to run the football, okay? So it kind of hurts you because you're a running football team and you need a big receiver to come in there and block like Moose was doing 
Um, and, and so you need that big type receiver that could be able to and, and mix it up. So it, it, it kind of hurts you in the in the sense of saying, okay, do we go get this small guy who can run and it can make plays, uh, or do we go get a big guy that can block and we still have Steve Smith who's fast and can make plays? Um, I, I say you switch it up a little bit, and and um, you know you can you can always. Um, you know, get a big guy who can block, man. Put a tight end out there if you want to, <laughs> I mean, um, and, and, and block. But you got to have a game changer at the receiver spot. So I think that's the first place um, that you have to uh, address. I think the other place that you got to address is quarterback. Um, even though Matt Moore had a, had a great uh, five-game stretch, um, I still think you need to bring in a young quarterback to compete uh, with Matt Moore and Jake Malone for that starting quarterback job. And, um, and and go from there. So I think you need to bring in the quarterback. Um, you know, defensively, I, I like our defense. Um, I think our defense is, is set. I think they, they playing well. Um, our linebackers are solid. We got great depth at linebackers. A lot of our guys got to play this year because of injuries um, to our linebackers. Um, you know what, I, I think the only thing that you would probably have to add um, is probably, you know, a defensive tackle too. So you go out and get you a couple defensive tackles. I wish we had the first pick. We'll get my man, the Dominican Sue, come up <laughs> here and play. So, <laughs> um, so since we don't, we got to get a game changer in the middle um, that can that can press the pocket and uh, make some plays in the middle. And I think they'll address that. But I like our secondary. I think our secondary is solid. Um, and and so you know, I, I, young guys, they're not going anywhere. Um, so they'll be around for a while. Um, so, so I like that. So again, I, I think Ever Brown is a guy that you know a lot of people you know looked at and said, "Why we trade to get him?" Well, I think he, um, he showed enough to me to show that this guy's going to be a superstar in the making. Um, I, I think we got to keep Julius Peppers, whatever that is, and and um, keep him on the team. He, he seemed to be happy at the end of the season, so I, I think that's critical right there. And um, and then you just start getting young guys to. You know, replace. I think you know you got to replace uh, Brad Hoover. You know, he he's a he's a guy that's getting older. I love him, um, and he plays well for us. He's done a great job. But I think he's got to start getting a young guy up in there and, and start uh, you know using him. His body just can't hold up over 17 weeks of pounding your body, man. That's just a tough tough career. Um, but you know, 10 years of doing that it, it takes its toll and. Um, and so I, I think when you begin to look at um, tight ends, I really like Barnage. Um, you know, I, I think he's a tight end that you can use and, and stretch the field with, um, you know, and, and I think you, you might want to look at getting, you know, a tight end or so um, to, to help that passing game also. Um, so, you know, these are the things that I would look at um, in the offseason to, to make the changes. Yeah, there are some changes to be made. It should be an interesting winter and and early spring. We'll kind of have to watch them, I guess, to see how they uh, how they handle things. But Mike, again, we do appreciate you being with us and uh, taking time out of your schedule to talk some football with us. Oh, absolutely! Love the Panthers, man. Love the fans, and uh, John, you're doing a great job with your show, and look forward to uh, continuing to work with you. Cat Grave Radio, the number one Carolina Panthers podcast in the world, will return in just a moment. This morning, a woman reached out. A man stepped up. Somebody sat down with 16-year-old Stephen and taught him better study habits, and suddenly... 
Toughing it out till graduation seemed to Stephen a pretty good idea. We're realizing the way we live our lives can impact the way others live theirs, their education, their income, their health. We're not just wearing the shirt, we're living it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The CCR hotline stands ready for you at 206-350-9673. Call us and leave a message. No rules, just your opinions. Call the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. Now, back to more CCR. We are joined now by Carolina Panthers middle linebacker, John Beeson. John, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Lots of stuff going on, too. I mean, the season ended 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, You guys finished on a roll. But then you've... You know, you went through what was really a tough off season. You guys had a tremendous turnover on your, especially in the, on the defensive coaching staff, uh, just before this '09 season got going. You had a lot of changes. Now this off season, probably not so many, especially if Coach Fox is going to be around for another year. What difference do you think that will make? Where you can you can go into the the 2010 season with the same guys in charge. finished on such a role. I mean, you, you were creating turnovers left and right. Was there something you were doing? Was it was it anything different, or do you feel like everybody just started getting comfortable? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. I mean, anytime you can go out and play free, you play faster. I mean, that's what's what coaches preach all the time. Just go out there, you know, let it loose, have fun, and just do what you always do. And, um, you know, we're just having so much fun. I mean, the offense did, did a great job of taking care of the ball and, um, you know, giving the other opposing offenses less opportunity so it just made it easier for us you guys have got a new defensive coach he's been with you a little over a year now and Ron Meeks and he came in obviously his reputation preceded him especially after winning a Super Bowl in in Indianapolis what what about that defense is it that is there any part of that relative to what you were playing the year before or the year even before that that would be different that would actually be beneficial to you as a player happy about this. He's a he's a fundamental guy. You know, he doesn't he's not really into the elaborate schemes, but more so just doing the basics well all the time and being consistent and that's something that he prides himself on. And um you know the, the thing with, with the turnovers, he is definitely um a guy who wants us to play more visual. You know, more of a zone concept, but having the opportunity to see the ball thrown so you can react and make interceptions versus playing more of a, a pattern match. Uh, defense, which is you know more man-to-man coverage where you don't see the ball thrown. So, um, you know, different concepts all the way around. Well, I've been following your, your blog pretty closely, and one of your recent posts out there was about the Pro Bowl and about that snub. And, in fact, in, it was kind of odd that this, that same day today I was talking to Chris Harris, and he was telling me about the Pro Bowl snub. And, you know, somebody's got to be left off the list. But... You're, I mean, was your immediate reaction? I mean, I'm sure you have to feel, 
you know, that it that kind of hits you hard that you were left off, then you turn around and wind up on the all-pro list. So, I mean, do you feel like that's a little vindication for you? Well, you know, <laughs> the funny part is, <clears throat> you know, when I made the Pro Bowl, um, you know, guys were, you know, excited for me. I was extremely excited, you know, I was emotional. And uh, once the all-pro team came out last year, Jake DeLome <clears throat> goes, you know what? Goes, I think that's the biggest honor you can get as a player is being named to the all pro team, and I, I, it kind of didn't make sense to me because I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's just a piece of paper, it's an article. But then, you know, I, I quickly realized that you know, being an all pro meant that you were, um, you know, the elite guy in the whole NFL, not just the, the NFC or the AFC. So it's kind of funny that you know, I guess I'm the fourth best linebacker. Um, in the NFC, if you, if you let the Pro Bowl tell it, but then, you know, the second best in the league. So it's kind of uh, oxymoron. But, um, you know, not not being named to it was, uh, was a shock. I mean, I really thought there was no chance that um, that I wouldn't wouldn't make it based on the numbers and the fact that um, I had made it the year before, which I, which I was told it's, it's hard to, you know, to get out of that seat once you get in it. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough pill to swallow, but, you know, I'm over it now and, um, you know, I, I quickly started to, to talk about the All Pro, knowing that I would probably make you know make the team first team or second team, and uh, that it would really be more of a more of a story. Well, I mean, you've set you know the team record for for tackles, and and I think all of us here. I mean, we may be a small market team, and sometimes you know our players, our team would be overlooked. Right. But I mean, we all know you're the best metal linebacker in the game. I mean, we know that. You know, we know it here. I- I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and that's that's the thing that um, has been so great is that all the support um, you know, from the fans, from the coaches. I mean, everybody. Uh, you know, I come in contact with. Um, you know, people have have taken notice to it, and it definitely means a lot. Something that happened this year, and I I, I hesitate to bring it up, but we had the situation with Julius Peppers. I mean, the way things played out last year was just. I mean, that was a mess. The business of football can be really messy on occasion things just happen there's money involved their egos involved i mean there's a lot going on then you know we had especially after that dallas game and, and you know we heard your interview on uh wfnz and you had that talk with him i won't ask you what you said but i mean do you feel like and, and i know at the time you you apologize for having said that publicly but then sometimes do you think it's necessary is it is it something that you should do to just say, hey, you know, I'm going to step up, I'm going to talk to the guy and, and get him ready to go again? Well, the thing, the thing that, uh, you know, Coach Fox always preaches is that the first thing you have to do as a player is really assess yourself. And before um, you can talk to somebody else, you know, you really got to say, you know, make sure that you're doing everything you can. And, um, you know, that's something that I always try to do is, you know, just refocus on myself and, Making sure that that you know I'm being the best leader and the best uh, you know Mike backer that I can be for my team, but um, that was definitely a, a, an emotional interview, and I think I let my emotions get the best of me. And um, you know, having said what I said, um, after I, you know I went back and I listened to it again because I really felt like I, I didn't attack him, but then I looked at it as you know I guess it's still an opportunity for people to um, you know basically. You know, think what they want, or take it how they how they want. Some people took it as it was, 
you know, I, you know, it was wrong. Some people thought it, you know, it was it was right. So um, after all the heat, I, I decided you know, I'm not going to say anything to him just because, um, you know, if I do and he plays well, then they're going to say, oh, Beeson talked to him. Or if if I don't and he plays well, then it's on Peppers. And I and I rather do it that way because he is. Um, you know, he is an elite guy. You know, we know what he can do and what he has done. I think his, you know, his seasons, um, you know, his numbers speak for for themselves. Okay, let's say if I just threw you a scenario and said, you know, not that this would ever happen because, I mean, you know, I met you down at training camp and, I mean, I'm, I'm like a third the size, so it probably wouldn't happen unless I was a kicker. But, okay, so if I'm on the team and I'm just not pulling my weight, and you've got to say something to me. If you have to come up to me and and just you know mano a mano and just say here it is, I got this. I got to say this to you. What are you probably going to say to me? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it just basically, um, you know, that stuff should be always in house, and I've, I've learned that. Um, it's kind of growing up and maturing in the league. But I think the first thing you, you should always ask yourself, and and I would just say it to you the same way. I would say. You know how important is it to you? you know, what are you really trying to get accomplished? You know, are you trying to win the Super Bowl? Are you you trying to be the best uh, you know best kicker uh, you could possibly be? Um, you know, are you trying to be consistent? Just I think those questions alone is it's more so than somebody telling you something. But just I think when you think about that stuff, I think it makes it easier on you uh, to kind of evaluate your performance and, and and figure out what it is you need to do. Uh, to get better, because obviously we're all pros, and we've all we've all you know gotten to this level, so we know what it takes. And um, you know, sometimes you know when things aren't going right, you gotta you gotta do something. We gotta step up. Somebody's gotta step up and and play better, man. You know, just gotta do more. Well, if I make it back down to Spartanburg, if you've got you know if you got to tell me to just step up my game, you just you be sure and tell me. I don't I don't mind. But yeah, a little pat, <laughs> pat on the back, a little encouragement. Yeah, and can, and, that's right. Well, I mean, we know the guy in the middle, and you had already established yourself. I mean, as a rookie, we, you know, I think people around the league, if they followed the game, they knew who John Beeson was. But here's a guy that had been there ahead of you, and Thomas Davis had just kind of been overlooked. I mean, he made this switch from safety, comes in, starts playing linebacker, and then this year was just going berserk. So he gets hurt, but how, how good do you think this guy can be? I was talking to Thomas um, after the season was over. You know, we have our, you know, our end of the year meeting, and um, you know, we check out. And I was telling him, I was like, you know what, man? I was like, I, I just realized that me and you, you know, we're cut from the same cloth, and we got the same background. Um, you know, I, I was a safety in college, and you know, I made the, I made the move in college, and it was about. Um, maybe two seasons before I really blew up in terms of understanding exactly what it is um, my coach wanted for me and being more instinctive. And then, you know, then I went off to the NFL. And Thomas has been, you know, two years making the transition, and I think he had, he just got to the point where he's comfortable, and now he can just really, you know, let his guy give an ability uh, all the hard work, effort that he's put into the position, sh- you know, show it and shine. And I think he, he's now he's truly a linebacker, not just knowing what to do, but being instinctive. I mean, that, that's the good ones are, are just, you know, they just do it. It just happens. You know what I mean? They're just smooth. They read and they trust what you see and, and you go attack it. And I think, um, 
you know, it's not a matter of, you know, him not being able to, to, to you know, go out and dominate the game. It was more, you know, the time that it took for him to, to uh, you know, be comfortable in a position. And now, I, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, I think he was a surefire um, pole bowler. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say that now because, <laughs> you know, I got, yeah. uh, I guess, you know, anything's possible now. But uh, I, I really thought, uh, you know, through, I think it was six or seven games, that, um, he was he had established himself as the best outside or one of the better linebackers um, at any position in the NFL. Well, if there's one thing we know, um, I mean, but we talked about this, or I mentioned this earlier about the business of the league, and I mean, this is that's one of the strangest job interviews I've ever heard of, where they've got you standing around in your underwear for you know a day, yeah. and you know here do this workout for me, and let's see how fast you can run, and they've picked you apart. I mean, going back yeah. and you know your <clears throat> University of Miami days, I mean. There were things that came up about you. I mean, and I'm sure you've heard about that seventh floor crew thing over and over. People want to pick you apart all the time. But you have come into the league and proven to us that you're not just a player, you know, that you are a a bona fide leader. Do you see anything about you that has changed since you, you, you kind of saw that, like, wow, you know, this is the NFL. This is, you know, this is the big time. I think, um, you know, regardless of, of what occupation you decide to go into, I think people are kids, and then you become a young man, and then you become a man. And um, I think it's a stage that everybody goes through in terms of uh, just maturing. And I think, um, you know, once you get to the, to the big times, you make it to the NFL. Um, as a young guy, I think the smartest thing you can do is just, you know, you find that vet who um, the coaches have a lot of respect for, considered a leader, and, um, you know, we always talk about it like being a true pro I means just representing on and off the field and, and what you do and how you go about your business. And, um, you know, that's the thing that good players, I mean, you have to, it's a part of, uh, of, of becoming, you know, well-rounded is, is, is you know, being a, a true pro. And um, it's definitely a, a process, but it's something you, you, you know, you work hard at and, um, you know, eventually you get to that, to that point where, you know what, you you got to figure it out, and it's easy. It's just second nature. Well, you are definitely that. You're a true pro, and uh, we appreciate you being with us. It's been a, you know, an interesting, if if not uh, anything else. I mean, this season has been interesting, and um, the way you guys finished the season, it was uh, was incredible. But we do appreciate you being with us, John. All right, thanks for having me. I want to thank Mike Mentor for being with us on the Mentor View. Mike, you are a scholar and a gentleman. My thanks to John Beeson for taking time to speak to us this week. You can check out the best middle linebacker in the game. That's right, I said it. You can check him out all offseason on his blog at johnbeeson.com. My appreciation, as always, to Nick Yeoman for taking part. Check out Nick's Panther videos on YouTube by searching for Big Nick 2700 And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to catgraveradio.com, click on the newsletter link at the top of the page, Fill out that quick and easy form. It's a done deal. We'll keep you up to date on all the show guests, basically everything that's going on with us and the team. Again, go to catcraveradio.com, click on the newsletter link, and fill out the form. It is just that easy. And be sure to subscribe to our little show on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to leave us a review. And follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash catcraveradio. You give us a follow, we promise will return the favor. And don't forget the question of the week. This week's question, what position is the team's biggest area of need for the offseason? 
tell us where you think they need to upgrade over the next few months. Give us a call at 206-350-9673, leave a message, and you'll get to hear yourself right here on the show next week. Call the CCR hotline with your thoughts on where we should upgrade. Again, 206-350-9673. And we have some news to report as well. Next week, right here on this show, we'll be talking to... Are you ready for this? Wait for it. Matt Moore. Do not miss it. Right here on this show, next week, Matt Moore. We promise. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks again for listening to Cat Crave Radio, a proud member of the Fan Sided Network. Check out catcraveradio.com for our complete archive of interviews, commentary, and analysis. The CCR crew will gather again next week to bring you another fresh episode. All material, copyright 2010, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.